my friend Jason Torchinsky, I think we all know him, at Jalopnik, uh, he, like myself, is, was a longtime skeptic of autonomous driving. I believe it can be done the right way. Um, but he, he made a joke. He said, you know, uh, autonomous vehicles that are being tested, maybe they should have a, like a yellow flashing light on top. Right now, those Teslas are being tested by untrained um, owners. I would absolutely vote for that. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the Autonicast. My name is Ed Niedermeyer. I am the author of Ludicrous, the Unvarnished Story of Tesla Motors, and the Director of Communications for Partners for Automated Vehicle Education. And I'm Alex Roy, the founder of the uh, No Parking Podcast and the Human Driving Association, and occasionally from Argo AI, although I do not represent them here. Occasionally. And I'm Kirsten Korosek, always the senior transportation reporter at TechCrunch. And I've been gone for the past two weeks, and I picked the perfect time to be gone because the most interesting, controversial, dare say important um, development in the world of transportation happened while I was gone. And that is Tesla releasing the beta version of its quote unquote, full self-driving system, which we've talked a lot about. And so, you know, we, there are a lot of videos out there. We could talk a lot about that sort of breaking down on how good the system is, but, you know, Ed and I were talking and in, in, in a way it's really not the most pressing concern right now. Uh, so I want to kick things off, Ed, by maybe you can tell me what is the most pressing issue right now, if it's not the capability of the system. Yeah. So um, we've had a lot of, and I also want to be clear, like Alex, I'm not here representing anybody um, but myself. Uh, all, all of my views are always just mine alone, uh, even though I do work for uh, for Pave, um, and uh, but but you know, relevant to this, you know, Pave did put out a, a statement, and I think it does identify uh, the two most important issues. Um, and this this was the product of a lot of a lot of conversation. We have over sixty members at Pave, uh, including you know the companies I think are really the leaders in this technology, uh, including Argo, where Alex works. Um, and so we had a lot of conversations about this, and and. You know, we wanted to, we definitely did not want to attack Tesla. That's not what PAVE exists for. We exist to educate the public. And so we really tried to identify the two most important issues, which were, or or, the, or just the most important issues. And we came up with two. And that are, first of all, that there is, and, and this is by far the most important one, um, is that there is a strong consensus among, you know, the leaders in this industry that, um, you know, AV systems that are not fully developed should only be tested by trained professional testers. And I think there's beyond that, and Alex can get into that more sort of that you can go beyond that, right? Um, but I think at a minimum, there's uh, SAE has J3018, um, and it just has some very minimum standards about those, you know, again, professionally testing these things so that you have people who really know what to do. Um, and what's you know, the second one before we jump in? And the second it? one is is that when you communicate with the public or consumers, that you are very clear about the difference between a self-driving system and uh, a, an autonomous system and a driver assistance system. And anything that requires um, a, a uh, human oversight it, it should not be called self-driving. 
So those are the two, the two really important issues with like a safety impact to them. Right. So most pressing um, issues, because it doesn't really matter if the system is capable or not, and there's lots of evidence that it is not, um, but putting anything out there on the road that is without a human safety driver that is properly trained, you know, basically this is in the hands of just regular consumers, just regular drivers, some potentially good drivers, but Alex, curious as someone who has driven a lot, has tested a lot of vehicles, is known for breaking records and has actually experienced training, um, what goes into training a, a safety operator, would you concur with Ed? Is is that, are those two the most pressing issues right now? And explain. Ed is correct. Those are the two most pressing issues. But I would I would argue that the first issue, the safety driver training issue, is today maybe the only issue. Why is that? The development of autonomous vehicles and self-driving. The first, if there's only one reason to build them, and there isn't, but if, if you had to pick only one, it would be to reduce the number of preventable deaths on our roads, whether it's people in vehicles or on the street. That's it. Like you can start and end right there and, and that would be perfectly valid reason to build them. And it has been shown in through the development of through a hundred years of, of deployment of automation, cars, planes, everything, that when people are being trained to learn to do things, they need to be supervised. We now here have a machine that is uh, being trained and it requires supervision. You would never get on a plane with a, you know, rookie, uh, you know, uh, flying student who didn't have a trained, you know, flight uh, training officer next to them. You wouldn't do that. You would never do that. You also would not uh, have an untrained, you know, teenager train another untrained teenager to drive a car. Your a parent does it or a friend, and so you have these tests of full self-driving vehicles out there that have been given to a handful of people with untrained drivers. They literally, if or it's not apparent what training they have beyond a driver's license. Um, I, we don't know for sure. It is clear that. There is a responsible way to test these vehicles because they must be tested on streets. And there is a less responsible way to do it. And the responsible way to do it is to make a good faith effort to train the people behind the wheel to know exactly what they're doing. And I have attended almost most of the professional driving schools in the United States, including racing schools. I've also attended Argo AI safety driver training. Um, I also drive a Tesla. And I am very uncomfortable with the idea that there are civilians untrained behind the wheels of the wheel of these cars. It is a grave risk, not just to Tesla and people on the street, but to the industry that is attempting to do this the right way. Now is the argument um, I've, I've spent a little time on Twitter catching up and there there's a couple of interesting arguments that the Tesla fans make. One that, um, what would you say, what is their most, I don't know, <laughs> loud, because it doesn't necessarily mean it's credible, argument around that the safety driver question? Um, do they make it or do they ignore it altogether? 
it appears to be completely ignored, which is, and you know, Ed, you and I have been having the same conversation for five years on this podcast, five years, which is that um, the professional safety driver training matters yep. and events and history have shown that it matters. Um, yeah. And it is actually more difficult to supervise and monitor an, an autonomous vehicle that's being tested than it is to drive a car. Yeah, it is. Yep. And it has to be done very, very, very carefully. And as a human being, and actually as a Tesla owner, I like my Tesla. I, I like it. Um, I'm not the only Tesla owner out there who feels that the company is doing something that um, they shouldn't be doing. Yeah. And and to kind of build on what, what Alex is saying here and kind of try and get it back to your question, Kirsten, like I think the 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 biggest argument seems to be in some ways that like you know, these restrict, these are restrictions, like the, the norms and values that, that, you know, sort of we're talking about here about, about professional safety drivers, that, that this sort of holds back the technology. And I think, you know, what Alex is talking about, the history proves that actually the exact opposite is the case. So first of all, you know, I, you know, to, to really understand this situation, you have to look at all of it. You can't just look at one company um, or, or, or only just listen to one company or only just take one company's argument seriously. You have to listen to everybody and you have to really, you know, assess sort of what all has happened and, and why people believe what they believe. And, you know, I think very clearly, you know, there was a lot of consensus around, uh, uh, you know, the importance of safety drivers, um, professional, professional trained safety drivers before the Elaine Hertzberg crash. But I think that really is what completely like ended any debate in the space about it. Because what you had there was a case of, and, and by the way, I mean, the context for this is important in that, you know, AV companies, AV developers have, have driven millions of miles with, with, you know, immature technology on public roads with a very good safety record. The Uber crash in 2018 that killed Elaine Hertzberg is the notable exception to that, the most notable exception by far, the only fatality that we know about involving an AV in development, at least in this country. And, and the, what led up to that incident was a lack of training for the set, for the drivers uh, the safety drivers, them being there for too too long, too many hours, um, and uh, and and you know doing it at night, not having another person in the vehicle to make sure that that safety driver wasn't on their phone. So so I think you know what one of the ways that the, the way the people in the industry look at this this situation um, also versus versus Tesla people is that is that you know there's this sense among Tesla people that well if the technology is just good enough that then that none of this stuff really matters and that it's just a matter of time before all the data that Tesla has makes the system so good that that a safety driver isn't even important the reality is is that AVs take a long time to validate um and it, a lot of miles and that things go wrong and instead of trying what nobody in the industry tries to do is try to say this system is good this system is bad this system is okay like nobody's trying to do that what they say is all systems until they're ready you know, at the validate to the point where you can take the driver out of the vehicle completely. Um, up to that point, things will happen. And the number one most important thing is that there's a human there ready to take over it, whenever that happens. In whatever situation it is, whatever might cause it, that is the single most important thing. So, so it is important to separate 
is Tesla's approach to this technology the right one from this question of safety drivers? The safety driver one is more important than any kind of analysis about whose approach to autonomy is the right one. Alex, go ahead and jump in, but then I'm going to follow up on that. So I I would say that Tesla's language of Tesla's um, on-screen notification to users that have access to the full self-driving beta, I I believe the precise language is the vehicle may do the The wrong thing thing at the worst time. So if that's true, then the corollary would be that the supervisor must be capable of doing the best thing at the right time. And, and every time. Every time. And so until, unless Tesla feels that they're ready to pull safety drivers or make the, the vehicle literally driverless so it can go around without someone inside, the person behind the wheel must be capable of doing so. Um, you know, there seems to be baked in to a lot of the defenders of this, what they're doing, this notion of, well... You're just biased, yada, yada. Tesla's in the lead. Everyone else is toast. In the history of technology and transportation and uh, infrastructure and electricity and elevators and cars and planes, there, is n- there are no examples of one company owning 100% of the market. It just doesn't exist. There are always multiple companies. There are trillions of miles, um, driven miles, that will eventually become autonomous. And there will be many companies, maybe not 100 companies, but certainly there will be a dozen companies, maybe, who knows, uh, might even become a handful like it is to, with car makers today. And so that one company would take such risks uh, at the expense of all the lives everyone would hope to save is really disappointing. Well, so you're jumping a bit ahead. So I want to go back. We talked about a little bit about the safety driver piece, but then there's this other issue that is part of that, which is the monitoring versus the claimed capabilities. On the one hand, it's labeled as full self-driving. Um, and, and yes, we know that there's all sorts of caveats to that. And they put a disclaimer on there, but it is marketed as FSD, full self-driving. And yet it also requires monitoring because really what we're talking about here is a more advanced ADAS system, right? Yeah. Um, and so they're, they are essentially admitting that this mis, essentially mislabeled um, technology requires monitoring by just, but they've basically decided to go all in on this idea that the, it is totally fine for the Tesla owner, the regular driver to be that very important monitor. Right. Um, and that begs the question also of, um, who is liable um, in all of this. And, and I don't want to get too deep in, into sort of the legal question, but I do think it's an easy question. It will end up getting sorted out. This is going to come up. Like, I think we can all safely predict that there will be litigation around this in some way. And that is typically how, or oftentimes how these types of questions are answered, which is who is liable. Is it the driver? Or is Tesla also culpable in this? It, what, what, is, what is so tragic comic about this is that the Tesla owners who have volunteered to do this, who have you know, clicked through these you know, on-screen waivers and ensure the vehicles themselves and assumed responsibility, um, are so delightfully uploading these videos. Because <laughs> can you imagine what will happen if something happens, the worst thing happens? 
someone's going to re- regret their behavior. Yeah. And and if you look at, I mean, I'm going to take my professional driver's eye and, you know, having gone through safety driver training eye. If you watch these videos, I, I have observed one or two of these people, maybe there's more, who are observing the most rudimentary safety protocol. Like they might have their one hand near the wheel, maybe two, maybe, but most of them are not. Most of these people, if they attempted to be hired by, I think, almost any serious autonomous vehicle developer, they would be fired or they actually would never get hired. Yeah. They wouldn't make it through. They wouldn't make it through the application process because um, they clearly do not understand vehicle physics, yeah. let alone how software works. So do you think the problem is that, Ed, I'll ask you this and then you can make your point, that in general, people think they're better drivers and and, and more have greater capability and understanding than they really do. And so that there's just a level of confidence in and, and sort of almost shrugging off the potential for accidents or even that the fact that they could be li- held liable if they don't act appropriately. Yes, 100%. The people who have done this the most, and this is like so important for people to understand, the people who have done the most on-road testing of autonomous vehicles are the ones who say that this is, who are the loud, most loudly saying that it is so important to have a well-trained safety driver behind the wheel. And I think what's really also really important to understand here is not only is Tesla not using trained professionals as their safety net, which again, everybody else in the autonomous vehicle industry thinks is, is fundamental to the, to the positive safety record that, that it, the technology has had so far. Not only are they not putting those pr- trained professionals, they're, they're putting amateur, untrained amateurs in there. And then to make it worse, they're telling them, they're sending them confusing messages. They're saying it's full self-driving, but you have to monitor it. So they're sending in confused amateurs when there should be well-trained professionals. Now, to contrast with that, I want to go to Alex here because he's actually done driver training, um, or like safety driver training. And I would just, Alex, could you like just give people, um, obviously you can't go chapter and verse on what is essentially, I'm sure, like a proprietary training program. Uh, but like, can you just, like I, my understanding, and you're a super experienced driver, you and I drove across freaking India together in, in a car that would not have protected us if we gotten hit. Um, it, you know, you're a great driver, but you struggle to pass this driver training. And I think that should give people a sense of like how, how important this is. Because when I've been in AV, the, one of the things I notice most is just how on top of it, these people are. So Alex, what is that training like? What do you learn? Well, I'll tell you this. Going into the training, uh, you know, I drive a Tesla and I use the driver assistance feature, autopilot, a lot. Um, and I have, without a doubt, experienced what's called uh, skill decrement, which is when you uh, use a semi-automated system long enough, uh, your basic skills, your like muscle memory and other skills decline over time. Such that when the system doesn't behave uh, or cat, if something, something goes wrong, you are not as good as you used to be. So I'm almost 49 and I've used a lot of Tesla Autopilot. There's no question that my skills have declined over time. So I went into you know, a safety driver training program uh, with probably an inflated sense of my own talent, which everybody has. Every, I think some, was it like 80 or 90% of people think they're good drivers, which is obviously impossible. I went in, and the um, the part that I failed uh, very clearly, and I was failed out of the program, was what uh, what Argo calls fault injection testing, 
So you're in a vehicle on a, on a track uh, with an instructor and two other students and uh, going through a simulated, you know, urban environment. And the instructor will inject uh, at random points different errors. It might be um, a steering wheel jerks left, a ju jukes left. It might be a sudden brake. It might be a sudden acceleration. And you must react in such a way uh, that you would prevent the worst thing from happening at the worst time, as Tesla warns. Uh, that might be the equivalent of a dog or a child running out or a vehicle and, you know, um, you know, stopping uh, right in front of you. And so this is extraordinarily difficult stuff. Uh, you know, I had gone to Skip Barber. It's a major kind of known driving and racing school. I'd gone to Skip Barber several times. And I remember 20 years ago, the hardest thing I ever thought I'd ever seen in a driving school was Skip Barber's brake testing, where you had to switch lanes at increasing speeds um, and to test your reaction times. And the cross-section of the class was, you know, men between 25 and 40, most of them in good cars who thought they were good and had some racing experience or driving experience or thought they did. The results were not the best, and I was okay. Uh, and so knowing what, knowing what I know from, going, from failing the fault injection training and looking at some of the videos I've seen made public in the last week, I have very low confidence that um that all these people are are adequately capable of safely monitoring and in and intervening to prevent the worst thing at the worst time it and it scares me there's a video um which uh is eight minutes and change shot in auburn california there's a drone that follows the tesla and anyone the untrained eye can watch this video and observe multiple instances uh, where the Tesla, um, go, well, at one point goes through a stop sign, another time almost hits a parked car, another time stops in the middle of the street, there's a critical takeover warning. Any one of those things could have gone the other way, and something very bad could have happened. And the fact that I failed to catch the car once in training is why I'm not a safety driver. Yeah. I don't know what Tesla's doing to prevent that in the street. And and you see people you know watching these videos and saying things like, well, their hands on the on the wheel or their eyes are on the like. This is not about not being distracted. Like it's really hard. And again, like it doesn't, yeah, and literally, let me just be clear. It doesn't matter if you th if you're staring straight forward and have your hands on the wheel. Yeah, your reaction times still may not be good enough. And and when you see these people, these professionals doing this work, I mean, imagine sort of the highest level performance, you know, that you get in this, uh, something that requires a lot of, of concentration, a sniper, for example, I'm just one random example, right? Someone who is a, a super high level, like life or death type of situation professional. That is how these people approach that job. I have not seen a single video and I have not watched them all, but, but I've not seen a single video where anyone comes even close to that in a way that you can actually see. And as Alex says, even if it looked like that, they might, they still might not be actually capable of, of really doing the job. So, which is why, by the way, let me add that I, I can't speak for every company and, uh, but it is common to have a driver monitoring system. Yeah. Um, monitoring the safety drivers that it might be monitored in real time. It might be monitored after the fact in order to correlate performance and reactions to events, because over time you may see trends 
and evolve um, in the right direction, maybe the wrong one. Well, that you bring up an interesting point, which is that um, you know Tesla doesn't have a driving driver monitoring system. Well, they claim that the torque monitoring is a driver monitoring system, but really, let's you know, let's just just agree that that's semantics and it's not the DMS systems that we are have been used or are kind of agreed upon in the industry, which is a, a camera. Greetings, Atonicat Nation. Pardon the interruption. We know you're all anxious to hear the rest of the show, but we need a minute of your time. Actually, Kirsten, we need a few minutes. Okay, fine. Well, let's be clear. We don't need your time as much as your information. You might have heard that we have created a survey. Hold up. Let's provide some context here. What started as a fun side project has turned into something much bigger than we ever expected. And so it's time for us to grow up just a little. And to do that, we need to better understand our audience. We created a survey to do just that. The data fields are mostly optional, but the more you provide, the more you help. Importantly, we will never share your personal information with anyone. Filling out this survey is the most effective way to help us make this podcast everything it can be. So please take a few minutes to visit atonicast.com slash survey and help us understand who you are and how we can improve. Thanks. Thanks. Two things. I, I haven't, as part of my vacation, I was, of course, not on Twitter, so I wasn't monitoring what Elon was saying. But in the past, um, he has criticized and really blamed, actually, um, journalists for basically making it more unsafe by criticizing or raising questions about autopilot. You know, this, this happened early on. Has he done anything like that in regards to full self-driving and do you expect him to, or do you think in this case he understands how sensitive this is because it's in beta and because there are already so many videos showing the problems with it. I couldn't speculate. <laughs> yeah. He, I don't think he, to answer your question, I don't think he's said anything about that yet. Uh, certain prominent Tesla influencers who clearly have a relationship with him and the company have, have definitely said things like that. Um, right. in the so last we're, few days. we're actually murdering people by, not putting by, by how, no, because those are words that were used essentially um, in, in the past. Yeah. You know, here's the, the thing is the argument is that oh, you can't make an omelet without breaking eggs is that analogy doesn't work because yeah. actually you can, <laughs> it yeah. is entirely possible to develop technology, technology responsibly. And it's also in possible to do it irresponsibly. It's a choice. In fact, I would go further than that and say that this technology, you have to develop it responsibly in order to get a safe product at the end. Um, and this is something that I think, you know, needs to be, we need to do a lot more education around. We, you know, I pave, want to do more education around this. And, and that is people think of, you know, cutting edge technology companies as sort of following a kind of move fast and break stuff kind of thing. And, you know, the mission is so important that if you break some eggs along the way, it doesn't matter. And, and I think, you know, tech culture as we, as we know it in those terms has not really done much work, actually really any work on safety critical systems development. And I think when you're talking about developing a safety critical system that's on the public roads that we all share every day, um, that, that first of all, 
you know, following these norms have not stopped Waymo from getting to the point of, of having driverless operation. And we have a number of companies now that are getting ready to, to make that step into driverless, um, which is something that we should probably talk about as well. But, but you know, so, so clearly there are companies that are night and, you know, that are, that are an order of magnitude to use a popular phrase uh, beyond where Tesla's at in terms of this technology. Tesla's at their, their system, according to NHTSA, which Tesla briefed NHTSA, it's a level two driver assistance system. Well, there are, there are companies that are not only autonomous, but driverless right now on public roads. Um, following these safety standards, uh, they're, they're not even standards really, this, these norms has not held those companies back for one thing. So the leaders have been following these every step of the way. Again, when you t- when you think about the most notorious examples of company of, of when things have gone wrong, it's been when Uber, really the most notorious example, tried to cut corners. And and you know, I think there's an interesting analogy with manufacturing because both in manufacturing and in 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 safety, it's a the, you have to build your culture around not even making one mistake, right? In manufacturing, the goal has to be zero defects. In, in 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 a safety critical system, it has to be zero failures, right? In, in the system, and to 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 achieve that kind of performance, you have to sweat every detail at every step, regardless of what you know how important it might seem at the at the moment, right? Or if there are other priorities that might seem more important. So so you know, just like a factory will you know at a factory, you have to you know a good factory will always be clean, you know. Cleanliness of the factory is not directly related to the to the manufacturing itself. It's part of a broader culture of sweating the details. It's the same thing with safety. So if you have a, a culture that is cutting corners in your process, especially with a system that's as complex and requires as many different kinds of expertise and, and narrow expertise as, as a, an autonomous vehicle system is, if your culture does not prioritize safety at every single step, I don't know how you can possibly have any confidence that the product that you get at the end of that is actually going to be safe. You have to have a safety culture. So uh, one important thing, um, and then I want to ask you where we go from here before we close the show, but I don't want this to detract from the important points or what we've kind of identified as the most pressing issues. But this is one that I, as a business reporter, have, have seen with Uber and quite honestly with Tesla as well, which is, there is a a major conflict of interest in developing a technology quickly to put it out on the roads to potentially get to a financial benefit faster. So in Uber's case, um, pre-Elaine Hertzberg, there was a lot of claims. There was a, a, a race, if you will, um, to commercial deployment, it was considered an existential threat potentially to the business, but also the company was preparing for an IPO and showing technological advances absolutely made it look better. Of course, that didn't happen. And then they were left with something that they had to pick up the pieces. And I think it's fair to say that that while the the business unit still exists, it's nothing like it was. And Tesla is the same issue, which is that it cannot fully recognize the $8,000 now that it charges for full self-driving until it can show it is actually working, meaning it can take the money, but it cannot recognize it on its balance sheet until it actually is. So there is a major financial conflict there. Um, And this is this 
actually can drive. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to say accuse Tesla that it is the sole reason, but it can certainly hurt credibility and it can raise a lot of questions about why is it that it is so necessary to put this out now? Is it because you promised it and have been charging for it all along? Is it the thrill of putting technology out there and this is just your culture? Or is it to capture an important revenue piece? And I think all three of those things are likely happening. So I'm wondering where we go from here. If those are the most pressing issues, we haven't even really touched on some of the other ones, right? Where, 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 where should we as, as observers and participators in, in a way in the industry, I mean, I'm reporting on it. How should the media be treating it? And, um, you know, you two are, are deep in the industry. So where, where do we go from here? We could do a whole episode uh, to, about answering that question, and yeah. um, well, I've got do, a, I, wrap it up. Wrap it we up. We will for, do. We will do more episodes yeah, on this too I, because yeah. it is. And I've only got a minute. Um, yeah, a it would it would be so disappointing if the industry was held responsible for the actions of one company, um, and that is, you know, I have a Tesla. I paid for full self driving. I would love for it to work, um, but most of all, I just. I don't want to be scared when I see a Tesla going down the street, another Tesla. And uh, my friend Jason, well, friend, my friend Jason Torchinsky, I think we all know him, it's a Lopnik. Uh, he, like myself, is, was a longtime skeptic of autonomous driving. I believe it can be done the right way. Um, but he, he made a joke. He said, you know, uh, autonomous vehicles that are being tested, maybe they should have a, like a yellow flashing light on top. Right now, those Teslas that are being tested by untrained um, owners. I would absolutely vote for that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to ride a bicycle near any of them ever, at all. And you can't you can't say to say to me, oh, but human driving is dangerous too. Yeah, it is. We know that, but we don't know the extent to which these vehicles are an issue. Well, and then just to quickly follow up on that, I think that we can all we can all agree that there are certain levels of driving. So a teenage new beginner driver is uh, more unpredictable than someone who has been driving for years and has is trained we can we can as a society and just educated people can can make that logical determination right and early days of autopilot it felt like driving with a teenage driver that would occasionally make like terrible errors um and then it got better and now i feel like we're back in that same spot again but in a with more cars on the road than ever before and with more claimed capabilities than ever before, not highway driving and a couple of limited features. Yeah. And so essentially what you're saying is in that argument of human drivers, um, you know, can be terrible and this is going to save lives. Well, who's the driver? And I think that's the important thing. And if the driver is a teenager, well, then I think I'd rather be driving myself. And I certainly don't want to be driving around them. It's like these Tesla fans, some of these fanboys think that the the beta testing system plus a Tesla owner is like more than the sum of its parts. But actually, I would say it's much, much less yeah. and makes me feel very uncomfortable. So, Ed, why don't you give us your closing thoughts? What we should be looking at and focusing on now? Yeah, I'm... Um... Well, you know, I, they say when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And and to me, um, 
working in, in AV education, this is really highlighted the importance for education or the importance of education um, because uh, we as a society need to decide what our relationship with this technology is. And I think, to, you know, you can't do that unless you really understand where we are, not just where the technology is, but where we are in our journey of, of you know, developing our relationship as a society with this technology. So, for example, there is this very common belief, it seems like, that that there are regulations around autonomous vehicles. And like Elon Musk is constantly talking about regulatory approval. And the reality is, is that certainly in this country, it doesn't exist. And frankly, the kind that he's talking about where it's like, you know, you have to drive this many miles with, with you know, this number of, of injuries or deaths or crashes or whatever, like that doesn't really exist anywhere. So, so I, don't, I think people need to understand what has kept us safe so far and what will keep us safe going forward. What has kept us safe this far, thus far is not regulation, um, which has been, you know, the regulators have been extremely hands-off since we've seen a lot of uh, an explosion, really, of testing on public roads. What's kept us safe is the fear from of, of the people in the industry themselves. Their fear that a crash, a fatality, another incident like the Elaine Hertzberg death could dramatically and fundamentally affect public perceptions and public acceptance of this technology. And I think that's, you know, I think it's important that the Tesla, the folks who are who are cheerleading this right now understand that this is not just human lives at risk, but this is also, you know, putting the, you know, future of this technology at risk um, by taking by taking these risks. And, and the reason that we haven't seen more of these incidences is, is simply that the people de- developing this technology voluntarily have have sort of created these norms. And, and, and complied with them. And so when you have someone who's not complying with them, then all of a sudden the risk is, you know, okay, now do we need to have regulation? Do we need to have a crackdown on this stuff? Um, and, and, you know, those kinds of interruptions have a real impact on the development of the technology. Right. Well, I would, I would agree with you on, on this is that uh, there isn't any regulations currently in the way that has been described by Elon that exists today. And it's been based on guidelines and industry accepted practices, which are still in development, right? Mm-hmm. H- however, his behavior could actually end up creating the type of regulations that will slow the industry. And mind you, also a lot of litigation too. It's yeah. it's This is not just going to be something where we're suddenly going to see some regulations coming up at a federal level. I think that people can expect that anytime technology is sort of misused or used in a way that cause puts the public at risk, by the way, not just the drivers, but anyone who they're, who they're around, I think you can expect legislation at local state levels and a lot of, a lot of activity in the courts. Um, so, so just one thing on the state level really quick. I mean, like, you know, if, if this were, and this is one of the reasons that Tesla has to call this a level two system, A, yes, it is, you know, thank God they're telling people, you know, even though they're sending a mixed message, at least it's a mixed message, at least they're not just saying, here's full self-driving, go crazy. Um, they have to say it's a level two system because if they don't, then there are, you know, permits that are required in like California, for example. And if it were a level three, four, five system, um, you know, then all of a sudden the employees, and not the employees, the customers who are getting this beta software 
would then have to be logging their miles with the, with the state, um, recording when interventions happen, a whole bunch of other things. So there are, you know, there is, there are regu- some regulations in place, but they rely on uh, the, the company, uh, you know, sort of doing the right thing. And I think that right, that's there's not, not a lot of here, and that's muscle why behind yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, so there, a lot of these guidelines and the permits, for example, like the California DMV, it's granted there, there's a lot of record keeping, but if you were to look at any of like the disengagement reports, there's varying um, methods that people use. And, and so it's not as if the agency is micromanaging these companies. I mean, some might argue they are, but, um, but not to the degree that it could be. Yeah. If, can you imagine if this were to prompt, first of all, what is level two then? What is the level three system? And problems doesn't problems with Tesla's FSD doesn't just hurt the level four AV community, but actually ends up hurting the automotive community that has ADAS systems. Yeah. Because if, it, it, and I know this sounds like a little bit like, the sky is falling in a chicken little, but, but I think that it's at least a plausible scenario if things were really to get um, out of control is that regulators at the very least are already taking a look at it and might decide, well, hell, if any, if one automaker is doing this, maybe we need to address the rest of the automotive industry. That see, and, and that's really also so important is that, you know, regulatory systems have to, you know, be for the worst behaviors, right? Like, like, you know, a lot of times regulations aren't, aren't super relevant to companies that have a good sense of that reputational risk and kind of do the right thing anyway, because they know that they could hurt their own businesses by doing the wrong thing. It's, it's when these outliers go, when you have an industry consensus about safety, particularly, and one company is just dramatically out of step with it, that is traditionally what causes regulation. And even if you do trust Tesla and, and trust Elon Musk, which a lot of people do, um, you know, if someone else, some other company, maybe a Chinese company, Maybe, you know, a couple guys in a garage somewhere with no training in anything safety related, right? What if, if they start doing the same thing, it, it, then does that change it? I don't think people are thinking about it that way. And, and I think that's, that's going to be, you know, super important. So I think, unfortunately, the way things are playing out right now, I, and, and Alex, I don't want to put words in his mouth. We were just talking about this, though. And, and I think we both agree about this, that at the way things are going right now, if you just project it forward, it, it looks like someone's going to, th- there's going to be an incident. And, and at this point, we're kind of stuck hoping that that incident is not someone dying, that it's a relatively minor collision of some kind or, or something like that. Because God forbid, if a 5,000-pound Tesla you know, hits a pedestrian or a cyclist, uh, which are some of the biggest challenges in, in autonomous driving, you know, that is going to, I think, force regulators to step in here. And again, the consequences, and if, if I thought the consequences would just be for Tesla, then I would, you know, it, that would be one thing. Unfortunately, that's not how it works. You know, Tesla's recklessness, you know, if, if the consequences, the inevitable consequence, when the inevitable consequences happen, um, the, the blowback on that will be shared, I think, to some extent by everybody in this industry. And, and therefore it will, 
you know, set this technology back. And I think that's the the real concern is, is so, human lives and then setting the, the technology as a whole back. Right. So to, not to throw ice water on that, but I do think that one thing that comes up in, and then you should address this and then we should let our yeah. audience go on to their merry way. Yeah. Um, there has long been um, by many of our guests um, and some of the, our earliest ones that, 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 there will be deaths caused by um, autonomous vehicle crashes, right? Mm -hmm. So you could see the argument being made by folks who are supportive of Tesla's efforts saying, well, so it's not okay if this happens with Tesla, but what happens if it's a different AV um, company, even if they're doing everything, you know, under the most strict safety guidelines, uh, shouldn't they be, shouldn't, that put the same amount of risk on the industry. Um, and, and you could argue kind of that it could, depending on the, the environment that we're in politically and economically and, you know, in the world, it, it would kind of depend. So what do you say to that uh, when, when that argument comes up? Well, I think it, I think I would, I would argue what, what I was talking about before about safety culture, that, that, you know, you, if, if your process of development is not safe, uh, then your product is very unlikely to be safe. Um, but couldn't you argue then that like still though, um, that, and I'm not saying I agree with this, but, but couldn't you still then argue, well, a death by a death is a death is a death. Does it matter what the company is? Uh, well, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter who the company is. What matters is, you know, did the thing that killed that person, was it foreseeable, uh, uh, the, the problem, whatever, whatever failure, and oftentimes it's multiple failures, right? Like, like in the, in the Hertzberg incident, it wasn't just that Uber's uh, system didn't see her, right? So it didn't see a pedestrian with a bike, walking a bicycle across the street at night. It's, it's not just that the system didn't see that. It's also that, you know, the Volvo stock AEB was uh, automatic emergency braking was turned off. The safety driver critically was totally inattentive. Um, there were a bunch of decisions that went into that safety driver that contributed to that safety driver being inattentive. Um, it was also a crosswalk that was not well signed, um, or, or that actually it wasn't a crosswalk. I'm sorry, it was the opposite. It, it wasn't a crosswalk, but it kind of looked like it could have been. Like there right. were a whole, you know, typically when when really bad things happen, it's a, it's a number of factors, um, and and the question is just. You know, is that how much of that was foreseeable, and how much and preventable, and and preventable exactly? Mm -hmm. So, 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 yeah, like you know, deaths will happen. Driving is an intrinsically dangerous thing. Like moving thousands of pounds of steel around at high speeds is always going to be dangerous. The question, especially when you have experimental software in the in the mix, the question is, you know, are you learning from everyone else's experience? And are you adopting the best practice? And that's all the industry is, is, is asking for is just, we've learned things along the way here in doing this. We have a pretty darn good record, both in terms of the technology that we've developed, right? With Waymo and now more other companies getting this to the point of going driverless. And again, we'll probably want to do a whole episode. There's actually been a lot of news and stuff that we need to discuss as well beyond this, but this is, this is important, right? So not only do these rule, these, 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 these safety norms not hold back, you know, really like the, the most amazing achievements in this technology, um, but they actually help ensure 
safety. Um, and they've also along the way helped prevent a backlash against this technology by making sure that we're not uh, sort of recklessly killing people or, or injuring people along the way. And so I think that's, you know, that's really what this comes down to. Um, so we should, we should wrap it up for now. Um, yeah. So I think that that wraps things up nicely for at least this first piece on uh, full self-driving. So please tune in again. We're going to, we're going to delve into this deeper and I'm, I'm sure we'll have guests on that can, you know, lend their expertise and their analysis as well. Yep. So until next time, uh, thanks for listening to another episode of the Atonicast.